guys, welcome back to the Water to Water podcast with Kristen and Kevin James. I hope you're all doing better and uh, especially with the nicer, warmer weather here in the UK, uh, people's mood seem to be uh, up and everyone seems slightly happier. And uh, if you don't know this already, and if you haven't seen it around or you've been living under a rock, uh, we are in the month of June and of course June is the month of the celebration of Pride. Uh, or to those of you who are unaware, it is the celebration of the LGBTQ plus movement. And we felt, both of us, Chris and I, thought it would be an excellent opportunity to speak and really focus on the Christian response to the Pride movement, to the LGBTQ plus movement. Okay, so the purpose of this episode is not to attack anyone, but simply to clarify the traditional Christian belief on this topic and uh, to talk about how the world perceives and treats Christians who hold on to these beliefs. Of course, you'll see uh, progressive Christians who embrace and celebrate this movement and will call themselves allies of this movement. And to be honest, we aren't here representing their beliefs. And so from the get-go, I hope our listeners will realise the division within self-proclaimed Christians on this matter. Uh, this is a divisive issue. And whenever we speak about divisive issues, people often get too emotional and are too busy getting offended. And so what happens as a result of this is that the divisive issue never really gets spoken about. Because like I said before, people are too busy getting offended. And therefore, these issues don't get resolved and goes unspoken. Which is why, if you're listening to this, we would hope that you would have the patience and give us the grace to hear us out completely as we speak on this issue. One final thing to point out before we get started. If you're a Christian who doesn't believe that the Bible is the final authority as the unadulterated word of God, then your views will differ from Christians who hold this position. Uh, the term people often use as a derogatory term is Christian fundamentalist. But I'm quite proud of that term. Yes, I am a Christian fundamentalist. Therefore, when speaking to all of you about this, I hope that you guys, uh, our listeners, realise our presuppositions. So when addressing the sensitive topic, we think that the best place to start is by discussing what the word identity means, because this whole thing revolves around that. And different people will have different definitions and interpretations of this word, but we will talk about what the Bible says about identity. As Christians who believe that the Bible is the final authority on everything, the Christian's identity is rooted in Christ. Our existence revolves around Jesus and his teachings. For example, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And Luke 9 verse 23 also says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So this means that a Christian's identity is not based on ourselves, but on Christ. In fact, we're asked to deny our own identities, which is that we are sinful, wretched people, and that we are to take on Christ's identity, which is his righteousness. And, you know, this might sound very harsh and you might be thinking, well, what kind of life is that? Jesus really doesn't seem as appealing anymore because he's telling me to deny myself, my identity and the very core of my being. Now, that's one way of looking at it. And you're not completely wrong. He does tell us to deny ourselves. This might mean denying our likes, our pleasures, the things that we think are good. However, the thing we get in return is so much better than the pleasures of our short life. He has given us 
himself and provided a way to eternal life and you know he denied his own life for our sake so he isn't asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done he paid the ultimate price so this denial that we have to do is nothing really compared to what he's had to endure right so every person before becoming a christian their identity according to the bible according to the unadulterated word of god their identity is in the dreaded s word sin and yes every human is plagued by sin uh, romans chapter 3 verses 23 says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god you could classify sin in a classical sense of the seven deadly sins and it would be the sins of pride or boasting greed lust envy or jealousy gluttony wrath and sloth however that doesn't encompass everything that it would involve Uh, the spiritual condition of a person before Christ is in sin their identity is in sin we need to get that straight yeah so this is why as christians we really have to take care not to become like the pharisees who failed to see their own sin and wretchedness but were so quick to see and call out the sins of others jesus really couldn't stand people he actually calls them out as hypocrites even more than he calls out the sins of prostitutes or tax collectors Sometimes we can identify people who we think are big sinners like you know adulterers murderers people who practice homosexuality and we condemn them in our hearts and we give ourselves a little pat on the back thinking well thank god i'm not like that person and that's the same attitude that the pharisee had in jesus's parable in luke chapter 18 i'm going to read from verse 10 onwards two men went up to the temple to pray one a pharisee and the other a tax collector The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, "God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get." But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, "God, have mercy on me, a sinner." I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted and we're at risk of becoming like this pharisee if we're not careful because we need to remember that these quote unquote big sins are not the only sins that god hates god hates all sin from the biggest to the smallest and we're no exceptions we too sin and fall short it's only by god's grace that we still stand So when we see someone who's from the LGBTQ+ community who clearly practices what God considers to be a sin, let us not be quick to feel better about ourselves. We may not be practicing that very sin, but we may be doing something else against God. In James chapter 2 verse 10 to 13 it says, "For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder." If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder you've become a lawbreaker speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful mercy triumphs over judgment so this means that even if we commit what we believe is a small sin we are still guilty before god just as guilty as someone who's committed what we think is a big sin however this doesn't mean that we should support other sins or uh, encourage these behaviors either We hear a lot of people talk taking Jesus's name in vain to support these arguments because they say things like Jesus was a friend of sinners he hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes so we should also support these movements because that's what Jesus would have done he was all about love 
And, you know, you're right. Jesus was all about love. But someone who loves someone doesn't always support everything they do. They'll call out reckless behaviours because they want the best for their loved one. And that's exactly what Jesus did as well. He loved the sinners and because he loved them, he told them to go and sin no more. He didn't encourage or support their sin, yet he was kind, gentle and loving to them. He set an example for us as Christians on how to deal with people who openly rebel against God through their lifestyle. And what we can see in today's society is that there are countless movements and active celebration of sin in the guise of uh, quote unquote being proud of who you are uh, or your identity. And being proud of who you are or being proud of your identity away from Christ is being proud of your sinful nature, which is what we were talking about earlier. And for the Christian, the calling is not a celebration of who you are, but as we had said before, a denial of who you are and a forsaking of your desires and a forsaking of your identity away from Christ and a forsaking of your sinful ways before Christ and forsaking it for Christ. Therefore, bearing this in mind, as Christians, we cannot celebrate or support the celebration of sin. And this could be the sin of drunkenness, this could be the sin of fornication, this could be the sin of vengeance and murder, and of course, this could be the sin of homosexuality and changing gender identities. And people might say, well, how can you equate those things? How can you equate murder to a celebration of love between two people? Like I've said before, folks, for the Christian, the judge and the jury is not ourselves, but God. What does he say about these issues? What does he think about these issues? For the Christian, that's the standard that we must uphold. And it is clear in the Bible that homosexuality is a sin. And we can see this time and time again in the scripture. But we will look at one passage. And for that, we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11. to Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You see, the Bible is clear on this issue about homosexuality. And the thing about that passage is that it goes on to say to the people in the Corinthian church that there were people in that church who practiced this and were living like this. But they were washed, sanctified and justified by Jesus. And that is the good news, folks. The good news is that there is no sin great enough that Christ cannot win over. And adding a footnote to it would be, you can struggle with the same-sex attraction even as a Christian. You can be homosexual and be a Christian. However, the denying of yourself, the denying of the practice of homosexuality is what the Christian is called to do. The same way that a heterosexual Christian is called to have one partner and not sleep with other people and therefore in a way is denying themselves of that sin and the fleeting pleasure that it can bring. So we are called to deny ourselves the pleasures that our body wants to do. So the question then arises, how should Christians deal with members of the LGBTQ plus community? And, you know, the simple answer is like a neighbor. When Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself, he didn't specify that neighbor means another Christian. In fact, we see from the parable of the Good Samaritan that our neighbor can be people 
who are completely different from us, different religion, different beliefs, different culture, different lifestyle, but we are still called to love them as ourselves. And what does this actually mean in a practical sense? Well, we believe we can be friends with, or even good friends with people of the LGBTQ plus community, just as we can be good friends with people of different religions. This is because we don't actually need to agree or support everything that our friends do in order to be friends with them, in order to love them and in order to serve them. I'll give you an example of what I mean. We have friends from other religions, specifically Muslim friends. We can hang out with them, we have meals with them, we can have a laugh with them. However, we openly disagree on our beliefs. Whilst we respect and honour them, we don't support their beliefs by going to the mosque. They don't support our beliefs by coming to church to show their support. We don't take part in Ramadan. They don't celebrate Easter with us. We believe that some of their practices are actually quite sinful in light of the Bible. Yet, we can still be friends and respect each other without supporting and encouraging those practices. If one of us is in need, we're happy to help. If a tragedy has happened, we are there for each other. In the same way, we have friends and colleagues from the LGBTQ plus community whom we love and respect as well. We don't expect them to come to church, wear a cross or shout hallelujah to show their support for us as Christians. And we don't expect them to be devastated by the persecution of Christians to the same extent that we are. We don't expect them to campaign for Christian related things. All we expect from them is to respect our rights to practice our beliefs and to refrain from things that go against our beliefs. And I'm really glad to say that we do have people from the LGBTQ plus community who respect our rights in that way, just as we respect that they have the right to live how they want, even if we disagree with them. As Christians, we don't have to show support for this movement by wearing the rainbow badge or calling ourselves allies. We don't have to campaign for things like same-sex marriage because the Bible is against such things. We can preach the gospel to our homosexual neighbours by living in a Christ-like manner and having these conversations with them, provided that it happens in the right place and in the right time. Because, you know, we as a society have forgotten this fact that two people, even if they have fundamentally different beliefs and lifestyles, can still respect and be friends with each other. There's often this prejudice against Christians and people of other religions because we are against these beliefs and lifestyles. But we have to remember that we can't just campaign for the rights of one group of people without giving the same importance to the rights of other people. It's either all or nothing. For example, either everyone has freedom of speech and expression or nobody does. As Christians, we often feel the pressure to give in to these beliefs and support these systems because that's what the majority of people do. Right. And during Pride Month, what we often feel like is that there is this explosion of pressure put on to the Christian to show support for these movements. And so during this Pride Month then, let's not go around burning effigies of each other, but come to a place of mutual respect. And this could be at the workplace where the person with beliefs can freely express their belief and not wear the pride lanyard and pin or be forced to become an ally. And Christian, I encourage you and urge you to take a stand when this happens at your workplace. Let's look at the example of Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who didn't bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar, but instead stood for their faith and their God. Because of this, they faced consequences which led them to be thrown into the furnace. And yes, our actions of not bowing down to the pride movement could bring disastrous consequences. It might be the case that we are hated on at our workplace. We are hated on 
by our friends and peers. It might also be the case that we are fired from a workplace for this and might even be imprisoned for these views eventually. But in the words of Jesus, our blessed Saviour, our gentle and mild Redeemer, there is going to be trouble in the world, but be of good cheer, for I have conquered the world. We can put our hope and faith in Christ Jesus, who will lead us through this difficult time and bring us through whatever the world can throw at us. So we know that this has been a rather short episode for us, but we wanted to keep this short because we think this is more of a conversation starter, really. Something for you guys to start thinking about if you haven't already. Um, And you can continue these conversations in your communities, in your churches, etc. But anyways, we hope that this has been helpful and this has provoked some thoughts in you. And we hope that you've been watered to water. God bless you.